0: everyone and welcome to this week's episode of social work radio with me your host vince pate once again and always we are joined by our co-host tilly baden tilly my friend how the devil are you how have things been since you were last aboard the good ship swr
1: Hello, everyone. Um, Yeah, it's been a good week, thank you. Um, At the weekend, I went to see some open-air theatre, which was very nice. It was um, the Shakespeare play of um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, which is one of my favourites. So that was really good. How
0: perfect, how perfect to watch that. Was that intentionally done around Midsummer, given it was the solstice last week?
1: So no, actually, they're a travelling theatre company. What a coincidence. I know <laughs> they're called the handlebards and they cycle between their venues. They cycle all over wow. the country. Wow. They're amazing. They're so wow. good. They're just <laughs>
0: a group. The, of, name, um, the name in itself, the handlebards is I, I'm sold on the name uh, alone. Do, do they, hang on. How do they get their costumes and things?
1: Um, So they have like really simple costumes and really simple sets and they just yeah. have it in the backpack and they just travel between venues. They just cycle. They, um, four. Afford- was it four or five of them yeah they travel all over the country so listeners if you're in the UK and you want to go and have a really great experience of, of open air theatre then highly recommend their, their production of Midsummer Night's Dream it's really good it's really funny and um, they just bring Shakespeare to life and I mean I'm a massive I, I love watching Shakespeare plays I love watching most theatre things to be honest but um, it's just any of those comedy Shakespeare plays just have a real good feel good feeling to them so yeah that was what I was doing at the weekend in between working and riding horses so that's my update for this week how have you been
0: good I'm good Uh, are you gonna ask me about my date
1: I yeah, I suppose I need to because I've already caught up with you a little bit outside um, of the podcast by this, but I'm sure our listeners are intrigued. Uh,
0: How so was
1: the date? The mandate?
0: You know, I had a bit of a dilemma over my outfit. I'm actually, you did. I had listeners. I actually sent Tilly a couple of WhatsApp messages about what outfit I should wear. Um, I ended up going for a, a rainbow horse T-shirt in the end, which would have been right up your street, Tilly. You. you 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 approved of it, didn't you?
1: I did, yeah. Anything with a horse on it, I'm sold.
0: So, yeah, no, it was good. It was really decent. So, me, Will and Jason were hanging out. Good vibes, good laughs. Yeah, it was... Uh, he's got potential. I'd like to see the guy again. He's a, he's what I will call a smooth operator. He's a smooth operator. I like him. I like the lad.
1: Good. The question is... Did you avoid the pirate talk? Did pirates get mentioned at all on the date?
0: No, there was uh, there was worse talk than that. Believe you me, you know when,
1: oh, you get, oh. Oh, <laughs>
0: when you get three when you get three men together like me, Jason and Will, ho, oh, you know the uh, oh couldn't be broadcast on this podcast. Let me say that for nothing.
1: I mean, you're probably just talking about soup funnels than campervans, really, won't you? You're making wow, out that it was this, wow. this, um, yeah, lads', bawdy. lads on tour. It was body.
0: No, it was body. <laughs> it was tavern room talk, parlour room talk. That's what it was. It was a uh, locker room talk.
1: You fill me in after we're off air. Maybe not. Not for the podcast content. But I'm glad you had a good time there. That's that's
0: good. I i hope you get to see him again. It was good. It was decent. And uh on the weekend I um I am at my son's at that age now where he's kind of I'm kind of coaxing into getting interested in things that I secretly like um and that I would secretly like to do, but kind of can't because I'm an adult. Maybe you can, maybe you can build Lego as an adult, because I've got some friends that build Lego, but I've always thought, oh, I don't really kind of tempted to get into the Lego, but I'm not sure a man like me could just rock up and buy Lego for himself. But anyway, my son is at the age where he's graduated from Duplo to Lego. And I'm like, yes. So we've been getting this Super Mario Lego. So the vast majority of the weekend, I spent building Lego with my son, which was a class would be the best way I could describe it. It was It was top class
1: oh i mean that's what children are for isn't it so that you can live out your youth through them and um yeah, yeah that's one of the benefits of children
0: so it's been i a mean good many week. other things but yeah yeah we have many other things yeah definitely more than um, <laughs> spoken <laughs> for a woman who clearly doesn't want children and clearly attests to that still obviously your views on children haven't changed there, tilly i imagine based on the fact that lego is the best thing with kids
1: well, it's babies I don't like, actually. I mean, that sounds really <laughs> awful. That's a social worker. Babies really freak me out. They're just very dependent, I think. I mean, yeah, children, once they're over, once they're sort of past toddler age and they can talk, I mean, they're all right. I don't mind. But, they are, um, you don't
0: mind. Well, I don't job, mind. Good job you work in adults, Tilly. That's all I would say. Clearly, adult social work is your calling
1: absolutely give me a little old lady with dementia any day as opposed to a screaming child absolutely
0: right um let's move on to social work discussion then um are happier social workers better social workers so the reason we're tackling this topic this week guys is we had an article from one of our american columnists ashley um she wrote an article said happy social workers are better social workers um, the article is on mysocialworknews.com. You can go over there. If you're getting it by this week, it should still be in the features reads. It should still be at the top of the page. If not, just do a little search at the top. I have a search for Ashley Campbell, who's the author. You'll get all of her pieces. Or just search happier social workers are better social workers. You'll be able to read this yourself. So basically, Telly, Ashley's thrust of her argument was that um, a happier you is a better you. And a better you is a better social worker. And her argument is essentially that our clients can tell the difference between a social worker who's genuinely content versus someone who's under 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 stress and about to collapse under the weight of their own burnout. And she essentially believes that um, you know happiness isn't a magic wand that erases all our problems, but it's a shield that helps us face them. She says that when we're happier, we're more resilient, we are more creative, we are more patient, and most importantly, we are also more empathetic, being able to listen better, understand better, and help better. So she feels there is a duty on social workers to be happier because if we are happier, we will be better. Better for ourselves, obviously, but most importantly, she advocates better for those people we support. So what do you think, Teddy? Firstly, what do you think of Ashley's story? Do you agree with it? And, you know, secondly, in terms of that key question, we'll just, uh, you know, dive right into this one. Are happier social workers better social workers? So what do you think of the story? And what do you think of that essential question?
1: I mean, I love the story. And yes, a thousand percent. I agree. Happier social workers are better social workers. And I think happier people, it's its kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you are happy or pre- at least pretend to be happy, you radiate positivity. You draw people who are positive at, that surround you. Whereas if you're negative all the time and you, you surround yourself with people that moan, then you're going to be down and it it's just a drain on your mood. One of my favorite little anecdotes is is to say like be a drain not uh, be a radiator not a drain because it's just if you're positive then all of those around you are going to be so much better. So yeah, I I think 100% I agree. I love this article by Ashley. I think it's really really well written and I think we could all learn a lot from it.
0: She's a welcome addition to the Social Work News stable, I think Ashley is. I think um, what, what I like about her piece is a bit of a plug for our own website and our own writers here, a shameless one. But what I like about Ashley is it's kind of a refreshing view. I think she's quite forward and forthright, and we don't necessarily really have a view like hers on the website, do we, Tilly?
1: No, no, it's and it's so good to have someone that's um, American as well on mm. our on our writers stable as you call them.
0: I find her quite spunky. That's what I like about her. She's very spunky and she just comes out there and sort of says it with gusto. She's not a she's not a shrinking violet, is she?
1: No, she's certainly not.
0: Um, yeah, I, I've got to agree. I mean, the only thing that I can probably tell by my voice, I'm a little bit reluctant to fully agree simply because. I sometimes worry that if you put a statement out that happier social workers are better social workers, you can naturally—and I fully accept it—you can naturally risk offending people who are unhappy through no fault of their own. You know, very rarely wake up in the morning wanting to be unhappy, and particularly if we're talking about people who are unhappy with depression, anxiety, suffered, experienced trauma suffered and experienced significant loss in their lives, who are going through grief and, you know, perhaps whose very work is making them unhappy. It can sometimes be difficult. And I think what I'd like to say before I really get into this one is that nobody's to blame for being unhappy. And if people can't be the social worker they want to be, or be the mother or father or friend or family member they want to be because they're unhappy, that's not their fault, is it, Tilly?
1: No, I think that's a really fair point to make. We're not saying that this is no. you have to be happy to be a good social worker 100% no. no. not. It's it's just an idea.
0: Exactly. But what I would say is if we had the option of being an unhappy version of ourselves in work versus a happy version of ourselves it goes without saying that I think the happier version of ourselves would be better better in life and better at work. So I I fully agree. I fully agree with what Ashley says. It's just, I don't perhaps think it's as easy as she's potentially making it out to be. Do you see where I'm coming from?
1: Yeah completely and I remember when I've gone through unhappier periods in my social work career certainly when I've not been happy doing the job it's really difficult to go into the office and put on a a smile and actually get on with the job um, when you're feeling like that but what I have noticed coming out the other side um, and particularly as a manager actually When I walk into the office and I'm plaster on a smile and I'm bubbly and I come in like the Duracell bunny, I know (laughs) my team is going to have a much better day. And it just, if you're positive, then it just, it's infectious. It's like that old child's poem, isn't it? About a smile being infectious. And if you smile to someone in the street, you're passing it on. And it's kind of basic psychology really if you're passionate and happy and enthusiastic about what you do even if you don't really feel it inside if you portray that then that's going to rub off on you after a while Um, and I give that advice to people when we're delivering training as well because part of of my day job is doing a lot of, of training and I always say to my colleagues that are doing it with me just go out there, even if you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling confident, pretend to be confident, pretend yeah. to be happy, and you'll be far more engaging with your audience. And then that their positivity will start to rub off on you and it's kind of a well, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so that's that's how you kind of got to try and turn it around if you're not feeling like that. Sometimes just pretend to be happy and you will end up being a bit happier. Again, not going, not, dismissing mental health by any means and I know that you can't just turn it on and off like that certainly not but if you are able to do that um, and change that mindset then that's going to be nothing but positive for you
0: no you can I mean there's there's significant scientific evidence to suggest that simply pretending to smile simply doing the act of smiling whether you genuinely feel like it or not And even doing a fake laugh can genuinely make you feel better. It releases endorphins, it gets your blood pumping, it gets more oxygen into your body. It it, it starts actually making you feel that way. And and it it can be self generating this is, of course, you know, the root of a lot of mindfulness and the root of a lot of CBT, isn't it? That we can be faced with exactly the same stimuli and exactly the same circumstances around us, but by reframing it and thinking, oh, well, actually... I'm gonna look at this in a different way you, you you can again in the context of if you don't have mental health issues and you haven't got significant drivers, you and I both know too that you can wake up one morning and you can you know you can perceive things a different way and you can be more grateful and it can make you happier that's there's a lot of evidence to support that in fact, that is the basis of a hell of a lot of therapeutic interventions,
1: yeah, exactly. And I think that that can rub off on the people that we're supporting as well. And I'm not saying, again, that you should go in there and be all smiles when someone is experiencing significant trauma. You need to be sensitive about it. Mm. But if you maintain hope for someone and you maintain optimism and positive energy, then that's going to support them to make those changes as well. If you go into a visit and you're really negative and you look like you don't want to be there, that's going to make the people that you're supporting feel like, well, this person doesn't want to be there. This person doesn't care. Then that's not going to help your therapeutic relationship with them.
0: So do you believe that Teddy, do you believe that our clients can notice the difference between when we're happy at work and when we're struggling?
1: Oh, definitely. I think anyone can. It's just, it's part of human connections, whether you're working with someone or you just bump into a stranger in the street. Um, we pick up so much on Mm. body language and nonverbal communication often just the way that we act conveys far more than whatever we say and if if you're a positive smiley bright person then that's going to convey positive energy I think that's just common sense
0: yeah no I fully agree with that I think our clients can definitely notice the difference I think it's uh It's borderline offensive of us and and oppressive of us actually to suggest otherwise, to suggest that if we can be really upset and really unhappy with our work and yet spend as much time as we do with the people we support and act as if that doesn't radiate towards them, of course it's going to make a difference cost is going to make a difference and again i don't blame individual social workers for that certainly till you and i will have been in many a situation where we've been under pressure through no fault of our own we've been working our hardest but we simply can't get things done with the number of cases that were allocated and the lack of resources and support we've got the unbearable pressure that's put upon us by the systems we work within we simply can't help but be under the caution. It's like it's like when you go for a coffee. You can notice the difference if you go for in any sort of service industry. You can even tell it if you pick up the phone and speak to somebody in a call center. But if you think of any of the interactions that you have on a day-to-day basis with anybody in a service industry, you know if someone you're meeting at a restaurant, if the waiter or waitress is happy or unhappy, you can tell. You can tell in a split second. So the idea that we can perhaps hide our dissatisfaction and potential burnout from the people we support, given we sit in their very homes for up to an hour a day undertaking assessments and visiting them, I think that is pie-in-the-sky belief, is it not?
1: Exactly. They say happy people sell. And I suppose that's the same mentality, isn't it? That, that, that kind of that yeah. transforms into, into any of our social work as well.
0: What impression do you think we give to clients? So what, if we're unhappy at work, yes, we've identified our clients can clearly pick up on that. But what does that say? What impression does it give? if we are, and we've kind of talked about this before a little bit about, we did a podcast about should social workers be role models and should we sort of be examples of healthy living to our clients. So it's a bit similar to that. So what impression does it give our clients if we rock up and we're in their homes, we're trying to tell them to turn their lives around and buy into our interventions and work with us in our assessments, because if they do this, we can do some solution focused practice and we'll lead them to a better place. But our clients are potentially looking at us going, well, hang on, if you were so great at giving advice, why on earth are you doing this job when you're so unhappy? What kind of impression do you think that gives to the people we support?
1: It's terrible, isn't it? It's one of apathy and that you just don't care. And I think social workers, and and this is probably, again, something that they don't really teach you at university. We have to be sort of sales and marketing people to try and sell the idea that people can make positive changes yeah, yeah. and that people can have live better lives and if we don't look like we believe that ourselves then <laughs> yeah. then no one's going to be buying into our philosophy are they they're just going to be thinking this social worker doesn't really care they don't buy into yeah. anything um it's just going to lead to to more negative outcomes all around
0: yeah would you trust the mechanic if you went in to get your car fixed dilly and the mechanic in the garage was moping about. Clearly, hated the job. How confident would you feel driving your car back after its MOT? I
1: mean, I don't feel confident with any mechanic, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I feel like I I fit into really negative sexist stereotypes. Hang on, then. Okay, right. Like, Let's
0: change this to vet.
1: <laughs> Let's change this over. A vet. Your your your
0: your prized horse, Athena. Uh, give me a typical horse disease. What might she have? Can horses get colic?
1: Colic, yeah. that's Colic, one of the worst. there we go.
0: Yeah. So you're, Athena's got colic, and oh, the vet comes up. It's a new vet, it's a duty vet. You haven't seen them before. And they're trudging out the car, the shoulders are down, the clutching of coffee, they've got dark rings under their eyes, oh, the moaning about, the moping. You hear them complaining about the job, or they say they've got a visit to do after this and they've been up all night. What kind of what? What are you thinking about that vet when you're letting him let him or her set the hands on Athena?
1: Oh, I'd be beside myself. Um, I'd be telling them what to do, and yeah, yeah it's just not not good enough, is it? you when no. you're putting your trust into a professional, you need to have confidence in them. Exactly. And actually, if you, if you're miserable one of the connotations that comes alongside that is that you're not very confident whereas if you're happy and positive then that portrays confidence and people you inspire others don't you you inspire people around yeah. you
0: and let's put this in the context of you know an everyday social work intervention in my field might be you know you're going in there and you're having to break heartbreaking news about a negative parent assessment somebody's children you're recommending to the family court that somebody's children can't be back in their care or you're having to go and say your children should be taken from your care and now obviously you're not meant to do that with a happy smiley view anyway but if you go in there with an obvious view that you're hating your job or you don't even want to be there i'm i'm not sure how much how much worse that makes that put that in your situation tilly some typical things in your work having to you know deal with people in crisis having to talk about home moves having to talk about deprivation of liberty and so on what kind of impression does it give if it's obvious you don't even like your job
1: it wouldn't work i mean we're trying to sell things in adults especially if it's I don't know, someone being discharged from hospital and perhaps they've got to go into a care home. And If we're then like, oh, yeah, you've got to go into a care home, or oh, it's going to be terrible, then they're not going to want to go. The whole point is to try and encourage people to see their strengths and their positives um, in their situation. Um, yeah, delivering bad news is always hard, but if you're present as well, I think that's yes. one of the most important things again, I try and teach students or newly qualified social workers, no matter how busy you are or what you've got going on, you have to be 100% present when, when you're with someone because you can tell if someone's not present. If someone's a thing meeting with you or talking with you and they're looking at other things, they are clearly got other things on their mind, you know that that person's not concentrating and doing the, the things that they should be doing with you and that just makes you feel a thousand times worse so that being in the moment with someone is is really vital for all social workers
0: yeah so um with that in mind do you think it's ever acceptable to mourn and complain in front of the people we support and let's be honest tell you how many times have you seen that happen
1: how many times have I done it myself <laughs> no um that's it depends on the way that you're doing it and what you're moaning about. I think sometimes, certainly in adult services, when I've had to have really difficult conversations with people around budgets and finances, if I can sort of say, look, this we're in a really difficult period of austerity or the government's made these cutbacks, it's really not good enough. I absolutely hate doing this. You're kind of putting yourself onto their same wavelength so I, I find that sort of thing can help but i certainly wouldn't be moaning to say oh i've got so much to do or "Oh, i really hate my job i i go in and say i i love what i do i'm passionate about what i do i'm here to make a difference and that's how i kind of sell the work that i do
0: do you know what i do exactly the same i'm glad you've alighted on that because i do exactly the same we've never had this conversation before when i have any opportunity whatsoever to discuss um my job and my job satisfaction with my clients, even if I've had a difficult day, I always sell it. And what I always do as well is when inevitably, inevitably, we've all been there in front of the people we support and they are complaining about their previous social workers. Now, I can't say whether those complaints are valid or not, because nine times out of 10, I've never even met those previous social workers. That is the nature of the high turnover in local authority child protection work in the uk you know often people go and leave and they're not even in the same local authority it's very very rare that you will actually know the former social worker but even when clients are complaining about the former social workers i always try and you know big up the positives when i can and say well you know things like oh well, i'm not sure that's the case they were probably trying the best you know oh, it's interesting that you've said that but maybe they were doing this because i just think you know we are the embodiment of social work to the people we support and if we can't be out there pushing a good narrative and a good image of social work it utterly devalues all of our profession you know if you share one bad thing about social work to one young person you're working with they may very hold that view for the rest of their lives that will impact on all of their interactions with social workers they will tell that to other people it will impact on their view of social workers as well we have a hard enough time in social work pushing back against the political and press narrative without contributing it to ourselves when we work with clients. Tilly, is that fair to say?
1: definitely fair I mean I always try and I I get lots of comments sometimes from family members going oh gosh I don't know how you do your job or especially if I'm working with someone with dementia and I've and they've witnessed maybe a really repetitive or difficult conversation they go oh I don't know how you can be so, so patient or tolerant with them and I'm like I do it because I love it and I I enjoy being a social worker and no it's not for everyone but actually I feel like I get a lot of positives out of it and I hope I convey that to the people that we support it just it makes it a much easier and and happier interaction
0: yeah exactly of course it does and it makes you feel better as well like you said positivity spreads now talking about happiness let's uh, address the elephant in the room here (laughs) you know we can't be happy if our jobs are making us unhappy. We can try our best and we can try our best to fight back against that. But if we keep giving, if we keep being given impossible workloads and have impossible demands upon us, it is going to make even the most Pollyanna like of us unhappy. So before we get into how employers can make happier social workers, the first question I'm going to ask you to tell you is how often is your happiness checked by your employer? and those people around you. Does that ever happen?
1: I mean, yeah, it does. I mean, I'm in a really great team and I've got a very supportive manager. And I think that's a daily conversation around how are you doing? How's everything? Um, And it doesn't have to be the typical British. Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? It's a genuine, how are you doing? I mean, organizations as a whole, I don't know how they check in really but I think it's down to the individual managers and teams to make that difference Um, and that's certainly been my experience when I've had a worse time in social work it's because I've not been with a very positive team and it's drained on me whereas when I've moved on to jobs where I'm actually happy in and I'm with a good manager and good colleagues and I feel better about it
0: yeah happiness and love spreads doesn't it um This hasn't always happened with me. I mean, obviously, now that I'm an independent social worker, I don't really have an employer. Obviously, I do it. I do it social work news. My editor, Nick, will regularly check in how I'm doing. You know, she'll text me in my sort of just personal, checking how things are doing as well outside of work. I think that makes a massive difference. But I have to be honest, I haven't often had that when I was working as a frontline social worker. And I don't blame my managers for it. You know They've got so much on that perhaps that day-to-day general happiness of employees isn't an issue. And I think the focus has to be on more the firefighting aspect of things. But sadly, I think that's a culture that I hear a lot in other people as well. And I think it's kind of a little bit backwards, to be honest, in the sense that if you're always focusing on the happiness and safety of the people that you support as a manager instead of the happiness and safety of the social workers that you supervise then you're going to end up in a worse position i think it's backwards and it should be the other way around in the sense that if you could focus on the happiness of your social workers and be a social worker for your social worker which is what a former service manager of mine told me that i should be on my first day as a manager he said vince the most important thing to know about being a manager is that you are a social worker for your social workers. And I was thought, wow, how true he was, Tilly. That served me in very good stead when I was beset with the problems of all my social workers that I was supervising. Yeah, it really, it really did. It really did uh, come in useful that advice. It was very telling. But I just think it's the other way around. I think we should if we focused on the happiness of social workers then they'll look after clients better rather than doing it the other way around and not caring about your social workers. Yes, you should care about both, but I think as organizations and employers and managers, we should really focus on making happy social workers because happy social workers lead to better outcomes, lead to happier clients, lead to more stable teams and everybody wins if that happens.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: Right, so the million dollar question, Tilly. How can we make happier social workers?
1: Oh, well, it's that old chestnut of workloads, isn't it? I think that comes down to one of the the biggest problems that we have in social work and those things that you've just been saying. When people are stretched and busy, those niceties can fall away. And I think they're the things that you've got to focus on when it's tough, when times are tough. If you look after your social workers around you, then mm. things are going to be better. But that's really hard to do when you're just being faced with crisis after crisis.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it comes down to the, the, the things that I've been banging the drum about for 10 years now, better work-life balance, lower caseloads, better support for social worker and a better wage, a livable wage. There should be no social worker that is doing this job, doing such a critical job and playing such a critical role in society who is having to worry about their own mortgage, who is having to worry about their car payments, who isn't able to afford basic luxuries such as a holiday once or twice a year. We should be able to afford a basic middle class lifestyle on the job that we do, given it takes us three to five years at university to get here. Given the professional status, given the demands of the role, given the hours of the role, given the salaried status, it is frankly disgusting that some social workers are having to go to food banks, who can't afford to put fuel in the car, uh, who aren't living extravagant lives just because of you know demands on them, such as higher mortgage payments, childcare, and so on. The amount of messages I get from people who are in that situation is shocking. It really is, and. Um, a lot of people are having to take on second jobs, literally just to make ends meet. So you're finishing an 8, 9, 10, 12 hour day as a social worker, then you're having to pick up a little bit of extra work, not to live an extravagant lifestyle, just to live a basic middle class lifestyle that anybody who'd gone to university and had a degree and spent the time learning and put the effort into their jobs that we do should be able to deserve. It's not rocket science, Tilly, it's not anything that nobody has been unable to point out. But instead, we live in an era of disaster capitalism within social work, whereas the fix is always on bringing new people, bringing new solutions, bringing new techniques and ways to solve problems, rather than consolidating and looking after the people that we've already got.
1: Yeah, it goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, doesn't it? Yes, if you, you don't meet, meet those basic needs, then you're not going to get that self-actualization that you get at the exactly. top.
0: How on earth are we meant to perform to the best of our abilities in our job if we're worrying about paying the bills? It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Um, but I'm happy, Tilly. I'm happy in my work. I have been for a long time. I wouldn't be doing this job. And do you know what I think? I'm going to end on this point. A while ago, I wrote an article that said that it called about a year and a half ago it's on the website guys if you want to see it. head over to my about a year and a half ago i wrote an article called where are all the happy social workers because i was very sick and particularly on twitter there was there's a gang of people on twitter who like to moan about social work madly enough, most of them aren't even frontline practice and social workers, and a lot of them aren't even social workers. A lot of people, you know, oh, I hate social workers, I hate this. And I was thinking, why are you always mourning? You don't even do the job. But people like me that should have the right to moan, I do the job, but I'm happy. And I don't really moan about the job. i moan about problems that I want to fix, but I don't hate my job, I love my job. I just want it to be better. And I've got this feeling, Tilly, that there are many, many, many more happy social workers than unhappy social workers out there, but because of the nature of social media, nobody's going on there and sharing their happy news. Would you agree with that or do you think I've got it wrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's an issue that that happy news stories don't do very well. People no. love disasters. Um, but I don't know. I I suppose... I'm slightly removed from frontline practice now that I don't see the day to day grind, but uh, yeah, I, I I'd like to hope that there are more happy social workers out there than unhappy social workers. Um, if, if you're in an unhappy position and it's your job that's causing that, um, move on, go and find mm-hmm. another area of social work. It might just be the team. It might just be your manager. It might just be the, the field that you're practicing in don't sacrifice your happiness for your career.
0: And we shall end on that point, listeners. As always, thank you ever so much for tuning in. We hope you are all happy and we hope you have been happy with our offering. If you have been happy with our offering and would like to leave a review for the podcast, do head on over to iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else where you get your podcast needs seen to. Leave us a review, we will read it out next week. Until then, you can head over to mysocialworknews.com, check out the article by Ashley Campbell, that we've discussed on today's podcast you can also check out mine and tilly's regular columns and there was also plenty of other news for your liking on there you can also follow us on facebook twitter linkedin instagram too until next week it's goodbye from me
1: and it's goodbye from me